Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology. Happy full moon, everybody. Today, we are going to be taking a look at the full moon in the sign of Cancer, which is taking place as the sun in Capricorn is also making a trine with Jupiter and Taurus, which marks the change of direction for Jupiter that's happening this week, Jupiter turning direct in Taurus. So a really interesting set of conditions that we're going to explore under this full moon. In addition to the general significations of the moon in Cancer, we'll be looking at a variety of different contextual factors in the sky right now that give us more clues as to what this full moon brings with it. So anyway, um, before we get into it, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments and reflections as you have them. We'd love to hear from you guys. It's nice to read your reflections. If you have a story to share, you can always use the hashtag grabbed and we'll gather some of those stories for a future storytelling episode. You can find transcripts of any of my daily talks, of course, on the website, nightlightastrology.com. And I hope for all of those, uh, all of you out there who were celebrating Christmas yesterday that you had hopefully a restful uh, time. And if you weren't, then I hope you had a restful start to your week either way. Um, we're preparing for the new year, of course, this week, which means we are in the final days of our annual Kickstarter campaign with just five days left, just five days of fundraising to go. We are trying to reach 1,777 backers. As of the time I'm recording this, we are at 984 that we've gathered so far. Thank you to all of you who have pitched in, pledged to support this channel in 2024. We deeply appreciate it from me, my family, my staff. We so deeply appreciate your support. As of right now, we still need 795 backers in the last five days. Can we get there? I think we can. I think we can make a heroic push in these last days to meet our goal and build our affordable reading service, build out the website to support the affordable reading service, keep offering everything that we do free, accessible, easy from classes to content. Um, I deeply believe in this work and I believe in the audience and the generosity of this audience year after year to help us meet our goals. You can find the link to the Kickstarter pinned to the top of the comment section or in the description of this video. We really need your help. We're coming down to the deadline now, just five days away on New Year's Eve. I think it actually technically goes through to like nine or 10 in the morning on New Year's Day. But as you know, I've been trying to share something of myself. And right now, as a lot of you are thinking of pledging perhaps in the final hours, Remember that one of the greatest benefits that we offer are our class passes. So you can come and study astrology in depth in any of our uh, core training programs. We have a first, second, and third year program in ancient astrology. Um, and there's crossover between the ancient approach that we study and modern archetypal and um, psychological astrology that is present in all of our programs. Um, you can learn more about those things on the website, nightlightastrology.com. If you want to go over there, you can also find the link to the Kickstarter there. But on that note, here's three reasons that you may want to study astrology in 2024 or continue your studies. In no particular order, these are things that I think are compelling reasons to study astrology for people who consider themselves, you know, hobby consumers of astrology, let's say. Number one is that the more fluent you become in astrology, in the entire language of astrology, from houses, signs, planets, essential and accidental dignities, aspects, and the underlying hermetic philosophy of ancient astrology. The more you become well, you, you, you become well versed in ancient timing techniques and um, how prediction worked. Uh, the more fluent you become, the more helpful astrology comes becomes, first and foremost, to you for the navigation of your everyday life. I say this all the time, but it's like developing your own GPS system. You know how you, we have them on our phones, in our cars, we use them all the time. Astrology is like that, spiritually speaking, to be able to have a more deep and well-rounded and fluent um, 
connection to the language of astrology is going to help people use astrology more effectively and more powerfully in your everyday life. And that's one good reason to study. Number two is moving through a structured curriculum in community with other people and with a staff and with a really well-developed, well-intentioned curriculum that moves you in a in a in in a in an intelligent direction from start to finish. Uh, in community with other people where conversation and dialogue and interaction with teachers and professionals who have been doing this for a while, this will give you confidence, not just confidence to maybe go and start your own practice for many people, they'll do that, but confidence in why you're using astrology and how to use it for yourself, for your own spiritual benefit, or for the benefit of those that you're close with. Um, going through a curriculum in community that's well-structured, well-designed, uh, deeply supported, is something that gives most people tremendous confidence. And with that comes the ability to use astrology for yourself or others throughout the entirety of your life. And number three is that astrology becomes the most real when you watch real astrology being done for real people. One of the things we pride ourselves on in all of our programs in uh, the year one program, the last third of the pro program is live people coming into the classroom where you get to see me perform live readings, just like a day in my practice. And then we have conversation and dialogue around the craft, this counseling skills in year three, it's all counseling skills and live clients and chart practice, live charts that you bring in with real people, real people that come in that you get to see me read for and discuss craft with. Um, the, the, one of the big focuses in all of the nightlight programs is on watching real astrology done for real people in real time. That is how most people learn more than any in any other way. And whether your intention is to practice professionally for other people or just to deepen your connection with astrology as something you're doing for yourself, your hobby, your spiritual practice, seeing it done with real people shows you how to use it for yourself, how to be more graceful, how to be less afraid, how to be more sensitive, how to uh, work with timing, how to make accurate predictions, how to be objective and not uh, spin out in anxiety about what you're looking at. So there's so many good reasons to study astrology, but these are three that I thought of and three that might uh, lead you to consider studying with us and picking up one of our class passes as they are on sale only for the last five days of the Kickstarter. On that note, though, Lily, any and every donation helps. We appreciate anything and everything, uh, whether that's pledging for a class pack or one class or even our moon circle for the year ahead, or if it's just a $5 donation, it all really helps us meet our goal. I thank you so much again on behalf of me, my staff, my family uh, for supporting the channel in the year ahead. Help us reach that 1,777 backer goal by New Year's Eve. We still need 795 backers. We need a really solid big push here in the last days to make it. I think we can do it, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll be back tomorrow with more. But for today, I hope you'll enjoy this uh, video on the full moon in Cancer. All right, today we are going to be taking a look at the full moon in the sign of Cancer, and we're going to be looking at it from the perspective of five key features of this full moon in Cancer that offer some greater context and depth. So we're going to be going through all of those. Before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the archetypal meaning of the moon in Cancer in general. And then at the end, I have a little reading from uh, Austin Kopic's book on the 36 faces or decans that we're going to use to understand the first decan of Cancer, which the full moon takes place in. Um, I'm not going to read the in, probably the entire passage, but just a little section that may offer you know a little additional insight. Uh, if you're someone who likes following the decans, which, um, you know, they can tell a story as a part of uh, an astrological event that can be really interesting. Okay, so 
The first thing I want to say about a full moon in the sign of Cancer is that this is the archetypal home of the moon. In addition to Taurus, where the moon is exalted, this is one of the two signs in which the moon feels most comfortable. In which case, we have to think about the archetypal meaning of the moon itself and note that the the, the lunar themes are amplified when the moon is in one of its favorite places. And so this full moon has a lot to do with themes like remembrance, devotion, nurturance, the, the, the archetypal qualities of the mother or the, the great mother, um, or those qualities of devotion and nurturance in general. When a full moon like this comes up, it can do one of two things. It can amplify those qualities and, you know, almost like just, it's just like pouring you know, moon and cancer themes, which can feel really wonderful. The warmth, the feeling of security, the the feeling that your needs are met a little bit more easily or smoothly, or that you're finding emotional connection and uh, closeness with others just coming a little bit more naturally. Um, and, and those can make a full moon like this in cancer really auspicious. Like, it's just nice to have that warm cancerian feeling of closeness. It's like a hot cup of cocoa, <laughs> you know? <laughs> as a as a sun and mercury in cancer i'm like ooh this is my jam i like this uh but the full moon in cancer can also amplify the spaces in which we need those things but are lacking them uh for example i need to be taking better care of myself i need to be closer to family or friends i need to have a better private sphere of life in to which i can retreat um I need to be caring for things in my life um, because the the caring for the things that I that I love, uh, whether it's people or plants or a craft or a, an art, um, when I care for those things, they also there's a re reciprocity, and I feel good when I do those things. And I'm realizing right now that I haven't been, and I need to. So that can come up. On the other hand, those things or people that need you can make their needs, you know, they can make them more clear. Um, the people, the plants, the animals can suddenly say, hey, you've been so busy, you know, you've been neglecting me. Um, and we forget that with, with cancer, always the greatest source of happiness is in and through the emotional bonds that we share. And it doesn't always have to be with, with people. It could be with a musical instrument you play or with a, a craft or an art form. And you know, when you devote yourself to it, it gives back to you. It's like a, a hug that goes both ways. So with Cancer Full Moon, it can be about an overflow of these Cancerian qualities that we're experiencing right now. It can also be about the amplification of the needs that we have that aren't being met. I'm, I need to go do something to take care of that. Or people or things in our life saying, hey, I need more of your care. And I'll give back to you when you care for me. You know I will. That's that's the 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 other thing to remember is that sometimes the Full Moon in Cancer draws our attention to areas that that are needing that warmth and devotion. Um, now the other thing to, uh, my, my wife's a cancer rising. She likes to say, tend the living things first. This is a cancer full moon kind of theme that we might think about right now. And I don't know where she heard that. She might've heard it somewhere else, but, um, I asked her one time, like, well, say more about that. And she said, uh, well, what I mean is before I look at all of the renewable stressors in my life, I look at the living things. The renewable stressors are the ones that never go away that, um, that also aren't like, um, living like the dishes or the laundry, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's always going to be more laundry. There'll eventually be more dishes. It doesn't mean you don't ever do them, but it means before you do those things that are renewable stressors, look at the living things, you know, 
how are the kids doing? How's my husband doing? How's my wife doing? How are the plants? How are the dogs? How are my relationships with people? Uh, how are, you know, for me, my clients, my students, you know, so uh, the staff that, that work at Nightlight, it's like 10 living things first. This is a cancer full moon teaching. When you tend the living things first, you, anytime you tend and care for things in a truly Cancerian spirit of giving and receiving, you receive the same thing you give, like a hug. You're getting it as you're giving it. And when, when you care for the living things, with not, not with duty, right? Like Capricornian duty, but, but with true nurturance, uh, you, you get back as you give. And that's what creates that bonded sense of security and warmth that it, it lives in the heart. It creates a sense of well-being that's like a little shell protecting you from the harsh weather of the world because you have sweetness and tender devotion to things. Um, if we live by that philosophy, then when we have to go and deal with the renewable stressors, like the things that just, they, they sort of never end. You can't get to the bottom of them. Um, we have a, a sweetness, a, a carefree spirit that comes with us because we've been tending the living things. And we are a living thing that needs tending too. And we tend ourselves by, by and through those things that we care for. We also can make our needs known to other people during a cancer full moon and say, I'm a living thing that needs tending, right? And so how can we do that without guilt or coercion, manipulation, but just honesty? Um, and noting that we need to make sure we have people in our lives that when we do say those things honestly and with vulnerability, they say, oh, I love you. Yes, let me, let me, let's connect, you know, let's hug. So just to remember that these qualities are really apparent right now and are the qualities by means of which we're being asked to reflect and grow for this little window of time. Now, there are five key features of this full moon in Cancer that are worth looking at from a technical and astrological standpoint that make the cycle very nuanced and specific, that make this point in the lunar cycle something very unique. First of all, let's look at the chart and let's take note of the fact that the moon and sun are in the bounds of Mercury and Mars. So here's full moon in Cancer in the bound of Mars, and here is the sun opposite in the bound of Mercury. And so the reason that this is important to note is because of point number two, which is that Mercury and Mars are coming together in a conjunction through Mercury's retrograde, and they are doing so in a square to Neptune, and all three planets are in the domiciles of Jupiter. So what I find interesting about this is that set aside, let's say, the, uh, the full moon in Cancer, which evokes all of these qualities we just mentioned that these qualities are coming in and around a time where there is a tremendous emphasis on ideas and beliefs that we might feel like we are fighting for, crusading for. If you're feeling mentally tired and exhausted, if, you're, if there is a, a level of mental intensity, even a fanatical level of uh, intensity around your ideas, your thoughts, your words, your actions, um, this is a full moon that asks you to cool off. You know, it's like sometimes I get so passionate about the things I believe and am thinking about that I don't even recognize that although these are stimulating and exciting, they're also like heating my brain up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I have to remember that um, I can't, e even though there are certain things that stimulate or excite me that are fun and interesting to think about, it gets to, it gets to a point where they're, they're not necessarily good for me. 
this is a full moon that could be asking us to cool off when it comes to our thoughts, our ideas, our beliefs, our convictions, a mission or crusading quality that we feel like, um, you know, maybe we feel like we uh, have to be thinking and acting so intensely for the sake of some kind of emotional security. But it rarely works that way. And, and most of the time, what we need for the sake of emotional security is not to be victorious or to win or to push until we achieve something, but to relax and let go and trust and surrender and nurture in gentle, simple ways, the living things and to be nurtured by the simple living things. When we do that, it can ease a kind of mental fanatical uh, tension that we're holding that we think, well, if I don't hold this, then these other vulnerable places in my life may suffer. So that may be one possibility that we're looking at here. Another one though, would be that uh, emotional unity through ideas and beliefs that we care about, that we see as bigger than ourselves, that also join us together with other people in a kind of emotional commonality. It's not new for people to band together in terms of uh, emotional, ethnic, religious, familial, political, uh, cultural like bonds and, and create little, you know, almost like little um, groups or, or clans or something like that, that are, are both emotional and somehow ideological. And so where there is the need to join in a greater family of support that reflects your beliefs or your values, something like that may be emphasized right now. But the potential for us to be, um, you know, maybe maybe we're being asked to explore some ways in which we can become, again, fanatical through various groups or communities that we identify with emotionally. And so because we're identified with various people and groups um, on an emotional level, uh, they, they grant us some sense of security or emotional stability. It's much easier to allow ourselves to become fanatically identified with uh, group think or group beliefs or something like that. Not There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but if things are becoming uh, too fanatical, if we uh, don't have a way of, of separating and re reminding ourselves that we are individuals and that we don't have to think or believe or act according to some kind of larger group behavior, um, then we may find that we're doing some emotional maturing right now and that we are able to distinguish ourselves within various families or groups that we belong to as we clarify what our own beliefs or ideas are in contrast to those of other people. The other thing I could see coming up here would just be that there is a dramatic uh, revision of beliefs um, or there's uh, some need to enact those things we care about that are bigger than ourselves. So nurturing things can also mean nurturing ideas and beliefs that we have that transcend our individual selves. We sometimes have to care for our beliefs. We have to nurture our um, our beliefs religiously or philosophically or what have you. We have to care for them as they uh, require some greater acts of faith or, or surrender. Um, you know, sometimes I think of this combination, I think of like the Knight of Cups in the tarot, which has a kind of emotional crusading quality. I am devoted to my mission. So that, that kind of, there's a feeling of that in the air with this as well. All right, let's go on to number three in the list, which is the sun and moon sextile and trine 
to Jupiter. So you'll see that the moon is sextile Jupiter and the sun is trine Jupiter. Now this is fascinating because the full moon is in the exaltation of Jupiter while Jupiter is in the exaltation of the moon. Of course, the sun trining Jupiter means that the very next thing that is going to happen is that Jupiter is going to turn direct and this happens by the end of the week. What I love about this is that, remember, behind the Mercury, Mars, square to Neptune is all three planets being in the rulership of Jupiter. Jupiter is in Venus in the moon sign, a sensual, earthy, uh, stable, Venusian, you know, Taurian sign, the sign of the bull, and Jupiter's turning direct. Um, when Jupiter turns direct, you can think of it like a, a time of breakdown, revision, or reflection upon those greater ideas or beliefs that grant some kind of unity to our life. And maybe there's been a breakdown or a temporary um, reflection upon the, the, those beliefs or ideas and, and whether they're the right ones or how exactly to um, enact them in our lives. And so I love this moment as this kind of turn or shift of momentum with respect to values, ideas, and beliefs. And those that are important to granting a sense of emotional stability and safety, especially with the full moon in Cancer. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a tenderness and a vulnerability behind the fiery Mercury, Mars, and Neptune square that really has to do with Jupiter and, um, and the moon. And Jupiter and the moon are, you know, together, it's about how do we create a sense of safety and stability um, that uh, we can rely on, that we can, that can grant us a sense of ease. Now, you know, everything's impermanent in the world, of course. So it might not be um, perfect stability, impenetrable, you know, like everything keeps changing. But this is a Jupiter that's working on behalf of shifting the narrative somehow or in, in installing new ideas and beliefs that may grant greater uh, stability and ease, harmony and grace. So I like this as a moment of a very positive turning point for Jupiter uh, that is um, uh, at work this week af right after the new moon comes through. Um, when Jupiter, again, is connected in this way to all of the different configurations from the time the full moon itself uh to mercury mars and neptune all meeting and jupiter turning direct is often a sign of recovery after a period of delay setback or re revision or breakdown now we're rebuilding something so it's like there's it's an emotionally intense week that leads to this sense of rebuilding something or uh regaining momentum after a period of being tried and tested emotionally so I love that signature. And then finally, the last thing that makes me really hopeful about this positive Jupiterian turning point at the end of the cycle is the fact that at the end of this week, just as Jupiter stations and turns direct, you will notice that Venus is in the bound of Jupiter and the sign of Jupiter, while Jupiter is in the sign of Venus and the bound of Venus. This is a very powerful form of mutual reception that comes in at the very end of the week and suggests that the greater goal of our uh, this, this kind of Jupiterian revision and shift of momentum is here to create a more, a more harmonious, unified, stable way of being. That comes through again with the full moon's emphasis on emotional warmth and security. 
So Venus, Jupiter are also clearly working together by the end of this week as Jupiter turns course and uh, moves direct. So it's like we're, we're, we're really trying to create a better environment or a more emotionally supportive uh, result or outcome, maybe after a period of being tried and challenged. And sometimes when we're tried or challenged, we also can become sort of fanatical and anxious and driven to extremes in our thinking. And I think a lot of that's going to be tempered this week by from the full moon through the end of the week. So anyway, I hope that this unpacking has been interesting. I want to read you guys one thing to close, and this comes from Austin Kopic's book on the decans. The first decan of Cancer where the full moon takes place, he writes about in, uh, and this is his book, 36 Faces, The History, Astrology, and Magic of the Decans. And uh, I believe it's out of print now, but here's what he says. In the tropical zodiac, the sun's time in Cancer begins with the summer solstice. Although now considered the fourth sign of the zodiac, in the oldest astrological arrangements, those of the Hellenistic period, the sign of Cancer was the first on the wheel. The scheme of this arrangement, the Thema Mundi, was considered the horoscope of the universe itself and began with Cancer. This harkens back to earlier Egyptian traditions, wherein the year and the world itself were thought to begin under the sign of Cancer. This is in many ways fitting, for Cancer is the sign of the mother, and it is within the mother that we all begin. Thus, in the first face of Cancer emerge visions of a child growing in the womb, and the time-lapse footage of a seed sprouting within the earth. The spirit is embedded in the womb of the goddess, and from that seed grows a body. There is the intimacy between mother and child here. It appears that the mother nurtures the child just as the earth nurtures the seed, but there is a hidden reciprocity to the relationship. The child is an extension of the mother, her accomplishment just as the seed is the fulfillment of the earth's desire to bloom, the mineral lust for greater animation and dynamism. Yet if we look more closely at the figure of the child in the womb, we see that within it incubates yet another child, and in that child another ad infinitum. For while we are nurtured and draw sustenance, it is ultimately so that we may bring into the world our children, the creations we dream of. This is not a hierarchy, but a chain of interdependence and growth. Yet we are not always given what we need by a kindly mother. Luna, whose influence in all of Cancer's decans is indisputable, is not merely the kindly mother. Her power is twofold. She gives as she waxes, but takes when she wanes. The moon has thus been routinely depicted as both the nurturing mother, but also as Artemis, the childless, skin-clad huntress, protector, protectress, and devourer of beasts. To us, some is given, and the rest we must take. Biological and emotional hungers are thus seen in this face. And in this more savage light, the chain of mothers and children becomes an endless cycle of beasts, devouring and also being devoured in turn. A fragmentary Hellenistic text, the 36 heirs of the Zodiac, sees the goddess Niki, Winged victory in this decan, a strange departure from the image so far discussed. Niki's most prominent role in myth was as Zeus's charioteer, and it is in this role that she is most often depicted. Yet what does a chariot have to do with the tender and fierce biological processes previously described? The vision of a charioteer seems out of place in this deck and unless considered in the light of the tarot key seven, the chariot, the trump card correlated with the entirety of the crab sign. When we gaze upon a mother tenderly nursing her child or the wolf devouring the lamb, the matter is one of gaining the nutrients necessary to make the body, the spirit's vehicle strong. Chariots have cross-culturally long been a preferred symbolic reference to the body as the vehicle of the soul. Thus, Niki as the charioteer is the one who knows the requirements of the vehicle. Though vulnerability and hunger are the needs which drive the events seen in this face, their product is strength, a vehicle fully sufficient for life's journey. One of the reasons that I love this pairing of the first decan of Cancer here is that so much of this full moon in Cancer speaks to 
the, the kind of resources that we're seeking and this kind of emph emphatic uh, push from Mercury, Mars, and Neptune on behalf of some kind of um, some kind of need that we have, right? And then Jupiter turning direct and Venus and Jupiter working together seem to start providing for that need, maybe in a new way or a different way that was anticipated. Um, but it's like there's a cry for a resource and then a support that comes in through the uh, this week's energy, uh, uh, this week's uh, lunar cycle. Though many of the core themes of this deck and focus on the mother and child, the same dynamic permeates the quest for romantic love. It is the perfect support half remembered from the womb that gives rise to the human dream of similarly nurturing bonds between committed partners. The writer Waite gives to this face is the Two of Cups, simply titled Love in both Book T and Crawley's Book of Thoth. The card depicts two lovers joining their chalices and a red lion rising from the united cups. The three books of occult philosophy also focuses on the capacity for romance in this deck, and though it is a comely young virgin which is pictured. Though thoroughly romanticized, the actual dynamic entailed herein is a mixture of hunger and sweetness. Love and need blend together here. You see how there's that quality of needing something, and Mercury, Mars, and Neptune are almost like wanting to fight to get there, but then that quality is sort of relaxed, and there's this ease and turning point and support that starts coming in where we realize maybe we can't push to get there. Maybe we have to trust or surrender to get there. It is this miracle of entwined vessels that may long for when they dream of the love that will save and strengthen them. This face's magical virtue is to establish mutually nurturing relationships. So um, I think that's what we see too. We see these all of these mutual receptions coming through from full moon through the end of the week. Very beautiful. So anyway, I hope that this supports you this week as the full moon comes through today and as you go through the rest of your week moving toward um, the New Year's. Um, on that note, don't forget that we are seeking the support of 1,777 backers. Uh, if you have not donated already to the Kickstarter campaign, if you value this work, if it gives you something good, please consider supporting us. You can find the link pinned to the top of the comment section or in the description of this video. When you go over there, pick up one of our class passes. Come study astrology with us in the year ahead, and we would, we would absolutely love to uh, take the journey of astrological learning with you. There's also a bunch of readings and interesting talks we provide uh, that you could pick up as um, a reward for your or a thank you gift for your pledge. So on that note, have a great day today and we will see you again tomorrow.